What do you think the uh, best job in hell would be? Wow, just gonna start out like yeah. that. Yeah. The best job? Yeah, I think the best job in hell. Well, I'll let you guys answer first. Have you seen Lucifer? No. Oh. I have bits and pieces of it. Maze. I want to be Maze. Um, okay. I don't know who that is. He's she. So she is like Lucifer's right hand demon. Mm-hmm. And she's freaking awesome. I love her. No, no, no. I'm she's talking She's like a human. Job. She's like a human bounty hunter for like the the deranged and demented souls that are going to hell. She like goes up and gets them and like. Yeah. So I, love I think them. I think like what is that movie called? Not Office Space. Yeah, think Office Space, but it's hell. Which job would you want? Is what Eric's trying to say. We found a show. He has a show that. He well, watches. I'm going he somewhere with this. I mean, I want to be in control of the water cooler. <laughs> well, people in hell do want ice water, but it's it's never ice water. <laughs> it's just lava. It's just piss. <laughs> it's just festering piss. Ew. I don't know. I'm nosy, so I think I'd be the receptionist. Mm. I could see that. <laughs> I could absolutely see that. I'm going with marketing. <laughs> marketing is probably the most fun job. Just I love at, marketing. Just look at our boy Richard Ramirez this week. This whole episode is him marketing for Satan. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, he he's, an, he's the prototype to an influencer for the devil. He's absolutely going on that vacation if he just hits yeah. those numbers. Could you imagine <laughs> like if... Like a multi-level marketing Could you Satanism. imagine if Richard Ramirez had Instagram... Oh, he would just be like posted up with pentagrams and blood on the wall. Like, hey, TikTok, just finished my seventh murder. Oh, my God. You're about to start a new trend. Dude, do. All right. Don't do a murder. But for, you know, for a goof, maybe draw some pentagrams and give us your best Richard Ramirez impression doing social media. You're going to get them banned. It'd be fucking hilarious. I need some people to impersonate some serial killers. He's on my cereal ball. Mm. See? Marketing. Marketing. Just <laughs> hail Satan. Rude girl designs. <laughs> like, the fucking guy, he really goes the distance in getting souls for the devil. Every time I hear the phrase go the distance, I think of Hercules. I love that. I think Eric is <laughs> his Disney soul died a long time ago, Sam. Oh. I don't I don't think of um uh, any Disney movies when I think go to the distance. But uh maybe a Gary Ridgeway went the distance. I think he has the highest kill count. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Gary Ridgeway, I believe, has the highest kill count of, among uh American serial killers. Oh. Who's got what like forty nine? Nah, it's a, I think it's over fifty. What? Is it? Yeah. He's over the fifty. He's in the over fifty club. Yeah, he, he he uh he went the distance. But Richard's going the distance in another way. And we're gonna talk about it this episode. And as always, welcome to Creeps in the Crypt. I am Eric and I am joined by Christian and Sam. Hello. Um before we go any further, 
Make sure you download the episodes and rate and review the show if your um, platform of choice allows you. It really helps us out, and we would highly appreciate it. We love that shit. Yep, and we post it on our Instagram for the world to see. So uh-huh. get get going with those reviews. Hail Satan, as no. uh, <laughs> Richard Ramirez would say. Swear to Satan. Um, I don't think he ever said... I think he just no. said, like, swear your love to him. Or whatever. I thought he did. Yeah. I don't think he ever... I, I want to say you said swear to Satan or swear on your soul to Satan or something like that. Didn't he say it we'll during his out. trial? No, no, he's he said hail Satan or some shit in his trial. I can't fucking remember. Uh-huh. We'll get to it in this episode. This episode's all going to be about Satan and sneakers, folks. So <laughs> buckle in. Yeah, right. Keep your arms and legs inside the moving car at all times. Don't don't leave uh, identifying shoe prints at a crime scene. Oops. All right, Sam, take it away. So just to recap on the last thing we left off of from last week, Richard had just murdered Ma Bell and Nettie, the sisters. And she, Ma died later, but uh, I think Nettie was the first one that, one that died first. And then Ma Followed a few days later. This, up to this point, this is his most brutal murder. Like, at this point in time. And this is the first instance of, like, Satan really coming into the mix. Yeah. Which is why I wanted to pick back up at this point. Well, it's also nice to have a little refresher. Yeah, always. So, I'm just going to kind of... Spark notes this one. Yeah, so he moves on... To murder Patty Elaine Higgins on June 27th, 1985. He slit her throat in her home during a burglary. So I guess it was a burglar gone wrong. Yeah, she had actually, um, she was getting ready to teach summer school, I believe, and Mm -hmm. left home from work late one night, uh, I think on the 27th, and then like never showed up for summer school or some shit. So they found her like a couple days after the fact. That's horrible. A few days later, on July 2nd, 1985, he drove a stolen car to Arcadia and just basically just like eeny, meeny, miny, mo homes. I mean, that's that's his entire MO at this point. It's yep. There's no modus operandi. It's just carnage at random. I feel like he just like covers his eyes and just like, uh, well, this one. No, I mean, he watches like, there was a couple instances of him like not going into homes because the husband away, was awake or there was one instance where he didn't break into a house because he saw the husband cleaning a gun. So he's watching these people and stalking them throughout the night, hence the Night Stalker. But then he didn't do that enough to make it like. He would like watch them from the trees and shit. Like he would hang out outside of the house. It wasn't just like I'm gonna come in here and then just walk in. He got lots of lessons in peeping. Yeah, he was very sneaky. Yeah, that and I referenced that in the last episode, but he uh, he would like stalk the victims basically like that night it wasn't like a a pre-planned thing it was just like watching his surroundings peeping in through the windows making sure everything was an easy kill he's kind of a 
He's kind of a bitch. Well, like, yeah. He pretty much just like chose houses by if the doors were unlocked. That, yeah, kind of like a Richard Chase. Yeah. I feel like a lot of serial killers take things from others. Yeah. Like, they'll take notes from, like, different of the serial killers. Like, oh, I like that part. I like that part. They're, like, bargain shopping and making it into one. So he he steals a car, drives to Arcadia, and selects the house of Mary Louise Cannon, who is 75. She's a widowed grandmother. After entering her home, he found her asleep in her bedroom. He bludgeoned her into unconsciousness with a lamp and then stabbed her to death using a 10-inch butcher knife from her kitchen. Richard repeatedly stabbed Mary Louise's body after she was already dead. And later she later she was found. She wasn't like found that night. Yeah. And you're going to see this constantly from here on out with uh, Richard Ramirez also is he's always traveling around in a stolen car. So no, but there's not like an MO of a certain car traveling around all these places because Mm-mm. you never know which car he's going to be in because it's always stolen. No. Yeah. So three days later, right? July 2nd. Yep. July 2nd. Um, so three days later, July 5th, 1985, Richard broke into a home and bludgeoned 16-year-old Whitney Bennett with a tire iron. This is the most brutal, in my opinion. While she was asleep. And after searching in vain for a knife in the kitchen, Richard tried to strangle the girl with a telephone pole. He stated that he was startled to see electrical sparks come from the cord And when the victim began to breathe, he fled the house, believing that Jesus Christ had intervened and saved her. Whitney survived the savage beating and attempted strangulation, although 478 stitches were required to close the lacerations to her scalp. Ow. Yeah, I mean, that's like literally. How is she not brain dead? After taking a tire iron to the head. I don't know if her head looked like a blooming onion after he was done with her or oh, what. Oh, hell no. Oh, don't. Now, why? I mean, 400 why? and some stitches, dude. Closer to five. It was 478. I wonder if she looks like uh, the villain from uh, fucking Hannibal. Like uh, Gary Oldman when he's in the wheelchair and he's got like the fucked up face and shit. I was thinking more like the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. Dart! But from the back of the head. Mm. You. Mm-mm. Yucky. Two days later, July 7th, 1985, Richard burglarized the home of 60-year-old Joyce Lucille Nelson in Monterey Park. He found her asleep on her living room couch and beat her to death by stomping on her face repeatedly. A shoe print from an Avia sneaker was left imprinted on her face. After cruising two other neighborhoods, he returned to Monterey Park and chose the home of 63-year-old Sophie Dickman. Richard assaulted and handcuffed Sophie at gunpoint and attempted to assault her and stole her jewelry. 
when she swore to him that he had taken everything of value, he told her to, quote, swear on Satan, end quote. That's the quote. Swear on Satan. So he has a minor cool down period of what, like, was that 13 days? Yeah, I mean, he went basically blood frenzy right off the rip. I mean, he his, went balls to the wall. He had an eight, what, an eight or nine month cool down the first time around. Mm-hmm. And then it's just been quickly deteriorating from there. Like his cool down, he, I mean, you see it with all these guys. They hit that like mode where they're killing multiple people in a day. Yeah. And he, he wasted no time getting to that. L- literally no time. I would say he's like the equivalent of uh, one of those guys that speed runs a video game. You're not seeing like years and years of like progress in it. It's these guys that are like beating massive video games in like 20 minutes now where it's like they're just rushing through all the content. That's not even fun. That's what Richard Ramirez did. He like he's trying to get to the finish line as fast as possible. I guess like before he's found out. Yeah, I mean, he's just here to wreak havoc and murder. It's not, I have an urge, I need to, like, suppress this urge, yada, yada, yada. Zero fucks given. Yeah, he's, he's here just to fuck like, shit up. fuck it. Yeah, rampage. Like, a st- this is the best example of a blood, uh, blood frenzy that uh, we could have on the show. Here for a good time, not a long time. Mm. Exactly. He ended up having a pretty long time in prison, so. Well, yeah, in prison. So, about 13 days later, on June 20th, 1985, July 20th, sorry, uh, Richard purchased a machete before driving a stolen Toyota to Glendale. He chose the home of 66-year-old Layla Needing and her husband, 68-year-old Maxon. He burst into the home they were, while the couple was asleep and hacked them up with the machete and then killed them with shots to the head from his 22 caliber handgun. He further mutilated their bodies with the machete before robbing the house of valuables. After quickly fencing the stolen items from the needing residence, Richard drove to Sun Valley. At approximately 4.15 a.m., he broke into the home of the, and I'm gonna mess this up, Covenant, Covenant, Covenant. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna roll with that. We're gonna roll with it. He shot the sleeping Chainarong in the head with a twenty-five caliber gun, killing him instantly, and then repeatedly assaulted and beat. Sexually assaulted. I think we know. It's right. Shut up, Eric. He assaulted and beat Somkid, who I'm assuming is the wife. He bound the couple's eight-year-old son before dragging Somkid around the house to reveal the location of any valuable items, which he then stole. And around $30,000 worth of cash and jewels were taken from their home. Yeah, he made a haul mm-hmm. on this one. He, yeah, he hit the mother load. Yeah. During his assault, he demanded that she, quote, swear to Satan that she wasn't hiding any money from him. 
on August 6th. So he took like an even longer cool down period after this one. Yeah, he's, uh, he's kind of, well, I mean, he was partying probably. He had 30 grand. Well, he probably got maybe five or six grand out of it. Probably. But let's be real. <laughs> yeah, he, he's partying good up in the Cecil Hotel and shit, doing tons of drugs. This is like, it's fucking insane, man. Like, so he, yeah, he's back down in. I mean, that was three murders in one night. Mm-hmm. No wonder he had a long, a little bit longer of a cool down period. He's like, damn, I really pulled my murder muscle on that one. I need to, oh my God. Need to take a rest. What would you call the murder muscle? Like, every muscle has a name, doesn't it? It does, yeah. What would it be called? I don't fucking know, man. Um, <laughs> The brain? (laughs) (laughs) So August, he doesn't kill again until August 6th, 1985. So it's like a couple weeks. Richard broke into the home of Chris and Virginia Peterson. He crept into their bedroom, startled 27-year-old Virginia, and shot her in the face with a 25 caliber semi-automatic handgun. He then shot Chris in the neck and attempted to flee. Chris ended up fighting back while avoiding being hit by two more shots during the struggle before Richard managed to escape. And the couple actually survived their injuries. So, Not a good night for him that night. No, no. So the next night, August 8th, no, the two nights later. Richard drove a stolen car to the Diamond Bar in California. Or Diamond Bar, California? Diamond Bar. Is that the town? Yeah, that's the town. Okay. And he chose the home of 27-year-old Sakina Abawath and her husband Elias Abawath, who is 31. Sometime after 2.30 a.m., he entered the house and went into the master bedroom he instantly killed the sleeping Elias with a shot to the head from his twenty-five caliber handgun, and he handcuffed and beat Sakina while forcing her to reveal the locations of the family's jewelry and then brutally raped, sexually assaulted her. He repeatedly demanded that she, quote, swear on Satan that she would not scream during his assaults. When the couple's three-year-old son entered the bedroom, Richard tied the child up and then continued to sexually assault Sakina. After Richard left the home, Sakina untied her son and sent him to the neighbors for help. It's the worst. Like, sees the kid. Fuck, man. Ugh. At least... You know he made the kid watch, too. But he was three, like... That's still early enough to imprint that memory in your fucking head. They say a lot of your core memories, like, real, real core memories happen between ages zero and six. That's what determines a lot of what... Mm. What, who you are is going to be as a person. Jeez. It's like your highest amount of development that you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly you see the big change from, like, zero to one, so... This three-year-old just... He gonna be fucked up for life. Like I hope not. Is that is that Santa Claus? Is this Christmas in July? And then you just see mommy getting raped, not by Santa Claus, but by Richard Ramirez. Yeah, by a stinky hobo man. Yeah, 
With rotten Ugh. teeth. Ugh. Yelling, swear to Satan, swear on Satan. Gross. His ways of killing were so all over the place at one point that the only thing that was similar was that nothing was similar. Sometimes he stabbed them, sometimes he strangled them, sometimes he shot them, sometimes they were let go. I mean, he did his fair share of abductions also. He was just all over the place, which in my opinion makes him harder to suss out. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, because there's no constant MO. No. They, they can't track it. No. And he was a student of true crime. Like Absolutely. He, yeah, he read true crime books. He knew what to fucking do. He'd like... I mean, he had a lot of, like, triggers and stressors and, like, trauma in his life, but there was no, like, one... Like, Ed Kemper had his mom as his, like, trigger. I and mean, his, his dad his, was kind of... But it wasn't like, yeah, your dad, like, beat the fuck out of you a couple times. I would say the biggest, like, catalyst for him is his uncle. Uncle Mike. You mean his cousin? Uh, cousin Mike. Cousin Mike, yeah. Um, I would say Cousin Mike was probably the biggest. Yeah, but he didn't abuse him, and he, no, there was but no like. He desensitized him to violence. Yeah. I would say that is like the biggest. I would say Kickstarter to Richard Ramirez. You don't think it was the head injuries? Oh, no, that definitely played well, a factor. Well, yeah, but I'm saying that like there was no like. But there's tons of people that have had head injuries that aren't fucking serial killers either mm -hmm. i was a base and cheer i had my fair share but nothing like i mean nothing like like set me had epileptic fits or anything like that that's what i'm saying but i would say it's all the ingredients in his serial killer soup uh-huh you know it's 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 very spicy his, his tell abusive you. dad the head trauma multiple head traumas but there was no like the drug, all the, a lot of the acid. He didn't take, like, the object of his trauma. There was no, like, no, one. There was, his whole goal was to cause damage and Fucking chaos. melee. As yeah. much pain. Mayhem. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mayhem's the best. Like, I want to burn the fucking world. He was almost as what I would consider, like, he almost a spree killer. Little bit like very random, not planned out, no. which is what made him so fucking dangerous. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to be locked in a room with the guy. Hell no. Fuck that. Like I would, I would take being locked in a room with Bundy over because he was organized. You knew what Bundy was. This dude, it's like anything could fucking be like. Well, I'm gonna kill you now. I'd be locked in a room with Kemper, hands down. Right till he tears your head off and fucks it. But at least I wouldn't be alive for it. There you go. Be alive with Richards, and that's even worse. <laughs> I and wouldn't remember. Then he'll kill you. Exactly. So like, I'd rather not have that trauma. I just want my Jeffrey Dahmer tea party. That's all I want. You don't. You don't get that. You're I, not invited. You don't don't have the, you're not fishing with the right bait there. I wasn't trying to fish for bait. I was just trying to have a tea party. Well, you don't fish for bait. You fish with bait. Well, you can fish for your bait if that's what. Like, yes, Eric. They have an entire. Don't they have an entire thing of like, fucking throwing those nets out? Aren't you fishing for your bait? Get out of here. 
I had a little minnow catcher when I was yeah, living on the inlet. You're going to need a lot of dicks to suffice Jeffrey Dahmer. That's fine. Okay. Who said we can't get that? Look, this is the, This is my theory. Look, I, will, I almost feel like taking you down this road, this I, rabbit hole with me, but I don't I, know I if don't, you could handle it or if you want to unpack it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Nope. I don't <laughs> want that. I'm just going to leave that one alone. I can make friends with the guys and bring it back to Jeffrey. Then we have a tea party. And watch movies. All right. Yeah. I'm going to go swear on Satan with Richard Ramirez. <laughs> Stop it. The drama. So along with the relentless media and police presence and the descriptions from surviving victims, it forced Richard to leave L.A. in August. And he made his way up to San Francisco where he claimed the lives of two more victims. He's, he's really making his way around downtown California. Yeah. Making fast faces past and I'm San Fran bound. Stabby, 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 stabby. <laughs> faces blasted. Yeah. I liked your stabby, Jeez. stabby, stabby. <laughs> stabby, stabby, stab. Stabity, stabity, stab. Oh my God. On August. <laughs> and I want you. To and I'm gonna rape you, you now. Swear now. on Satan. <laughs> and now I wonder why. Oh, this is fucking amazing. Oh no. This is top-notch podcasting. Absolutely. So on August eighth, nineteen eighty-five. I almost said eighteen ninety-five. There we go. Oh no, he's a time-traveling <laughs> death wizard. Yeah, you guys didn't know that? Richard <laughs> Ramirez is also a time-traveler. <laughs> he entered the home of Peter and Barbara Pan. He shot 66-year-old Peter in the temple with a twenty-five caliber handgun, which killed him instantly. He then beat and sexually assaulted 62-year-old Barbara before shooting her in the head and leaving her for dead. <laughs> that rhymed. At the crime scene, Richard used lipstick to scrawl a pentagram and the phrase, quote, Jack the Knife on the bedroom wall. I never quite got that. I think he was just like, hmm, sounds good, and just wrote it. Yeah. For shits and gigs. Do you think he was trying to name himself? Or, like, give himself a, like, he had already gotten the name Night Stalker, which is close enough to his favorite song on the ACDC album, Highway to Hell. Did he know he was a Night Stalker at this point? Oh, fuck yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't know. He lived with the Cecil sporadically. he he knew. I don't, I wasn't sure if he had access to the news consistently. I mean, you see it on, there were still newspaper machines at this time. So he would see the headlines. Oh, yeah. Bodies piling up. Type of shit. He would watch the news. I mean, the Cecil had TVs, I'm sure. Well, yeah, but he also... He wasn't there all the time, though. He was just there sporadically. Yeah, he was in and out. So I just didn't know I'm sure he was following... Like, because that's his way to relish in it, too. Is, is like, watching the news reports on the murders. That's that's how a lot of these guys kind of, like, get off on the back end of it. It's like, oh, fuck yeah, I can... I can just relish in the fact that they're talking about me. Yeah, I feel that. So Richard, again, left a shoe print at the scene that detectives discovered and matched to a specific pair of Avia shoes 
that was not very common at the time. The Valley Intruder nickname was no longer applicable since he wasn't in the Valley anymore. Thus, the creation of the nickname the Night Stalker, because of his most because most of his assaults took place at night in the homes of the victims. But other than like him like staking out the house that night, there was no real like evidence of him actually stalking stalking them like no. full blown like learning no, their routine. It was routines all fucking random. He's really, he is just chaotic. The media decided to name him the Night Stalker after a 1972 movie about a Las Vegas newspaper reporter investigating a series of murders being committed by a vampire. Lead detectives Frank Salerno and Gil Carrillo, Carrillo? whichever, contacted the manufacturer of Avia Shoes and were able to retrieve the souls. Upon the discovery of the make and distribution across the United States, only six of them existed in the size 11 and a half, with five of them shipped to locations in Arizona and one shipped to a shoe store in L.A. It was evident that the one pair of its size and kind in the state of California then belonged to Richard. It was... Discovered that the ballistics and the shoe print evidence from the Los Angeles crime scenes matched the pan crime scene. What you are about to hear is the biggest fuck up not actually committed by the police. Because the police fuck up in a lot of these. This one, the police were on point. But Gil uh, Carrillo or whatever the fuck his name is. Was one of the guys that caught the hillside stranglers. Was he in this? He was the docu series, wasn't he? Yeah. So this dude knows what he's up. He's no. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And a woman who is still in government today is about to fuck it all up. Here's a shock. Uh, God, God bless the politicians. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So. San Francisco's then mayor, Diane Feinstein. Gotta love her. Do I? Gotta love to hate her. <laughs> she divulged the information, including the gun caliber, in a televised press conference. This leak infuriated the detectives in the case, as they knew the killer would be following media coverage which gave him opportunity to destroy crucial forensic evidence. Richard, who had indeed been watching the press, dropped his size 11 and a half avia sneakers over the side of the Golden Gate Bridge that night. He remained in the area for a few more days before heading back to the LA area. Richard's decision on his final night of terror, which was August 24th, 1985, hey, tomorrow, Mm-hmm. Look at that. Yeah, we're doing this. We're recording this on the 23rd. <laughs> just so everybody knows. So his actions on August 24th, 1985 are what led to his capture. He was spotted outside a home in Mission Viejo where he inadvertently had left a shoe print and a witness took note of his car and license plate. Richard went on to assault another woman and shot her fiance 
but she was able to give a detailed description of Richard. She said he had made her swear her love for Satan. The car was found abandoned a few days later, but he forgot to wipe it down, so he left a big old fingerprint for police to make a match, and voila. Police matched the fingerprint to his arrest record, and finally, a face and a name was put to the Night Stalker. National TV and magazines plastered his face everywhere, along with descriptions and from witnesses and survivors. They thought that releasing his photo and name would give Richard time to escape, but he was completely unaware of his newfound fame. Yeah, he um, he had been traveling back and forth from California to Arizona and shit on a bus. So that's where a lot of the, like, he's on a bus. He He's not yeah. looking at the shit. No, there's no cell phones and... No, he's, he's completely clueless. And what's about to transpire is the best oh, serial killer this. capture of all time. I wish it was on video so I could see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a, some of it. Well, yeah, some of it, but I want it like beginning to end. Oh yeah, it's, like a I love it. Movie. It's yes. an amazing scene that Sam is about to paint for us. I love it. I'm going to do my best to paint it. On August 31st, 1985, Richard walked into a convenience store and noticed that his face was on the cover of a newspaper and turned around and quite literally ran for his life. But he didn't leave unnoticed. People recognized him and called the police. He didn't have a very large window of time to try and escape, but that didn't stop him from trying. The chase involved seven police cars and a helicopter that tracked Richard throughout the city. But before police could catch up to him, a group of bystanders got to him first. He was uh, trying to jack a car, yeah. right? He had, like, run across a fucking highway. Mm-hmm. Which is in LA, na- yeah. right? Which, I mean, it was probably standstill anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but he's he's rushing across this highway and gets into this Latino neighborhood. East LA? Yeah. He's in East LA. Yeah. So not a place where you want to fuck around and find out. No. No, and this dude has been wreaking havoc in LA for over a year now. Mm-hmm. So he tries to jack a car and East LA people errs east layers i don't know mm-hmm. uh began to beat the hell out of him one man even used a metal pipe by the time the police got there richard was basically thanking them for arresting him cuz he was about to die yeah like, they were going to beat him to death oh yeah there are like sh- like snapshots of him in the police car just like bandaged up he's all fucked up Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, his teeth were already fucked up as it is, but now his he had a face to match. I was literally saying now his face matches his teeth. <laughs> Less than a week after his arrest on September 3rd, 1985, Richard went to see the prison dentist, and over a period of nine months, Dr. Alfred Otero had repaired nine of his badly rotten teeth and filled them with a compound substance. Yeah, so you can thank the taxpayers... Yeah. For them new new grill. That new know. those new Nashers. I mean, and boy in court did he not look good. He had the we'll smile find out just of a how champion. good. We'll just we'll find out just how good he looked. 
Wasn't Otero the last name of the family that BTK killed? I think so. Or something very close. We'll find out when we cover him. Don't tease me. Richard waited and waited in jail for his trial to begin. There were several delays due to fights between the prosecutor and the defense attorneys. Since his crime spread all over the state of California, that complicated the scope of the trial with jurisdictional issues, like where he would be tried and who would sit on the jury, like all, all of that. Some of Richard's charges ended up being dropped to speed up the trial. I mean, that just makes sense. He yeah. did so much in that, like, just in the month of July. That I he mean, did. So they kind of have Fortunately, he would have how many life sentences if they tried to get him for every single one? Yes. All of them. Yeah. So, Christian, you are 100% right. All you need to pin him for is really one. Just one. One instance, because more often than not, both people were dead. Mm hmm. So. That's two right there. And also, don't they have the rule? I mean, they were also probably having to deal with, like, double jeopardy. Like, you can't try somebody over here in L.A. for a murder and then... Wait, no, I guess that wouldn't really matter because it's in a different jurisdiction, right? Yeah. And it wouldn't be double jeopardy because they're not charging him with the same murder. Yeah. It would be, like, him standing trial for his, what, two murders in San Francisco? Yeah, and, and then, then go to L.A. And then be tried in L.A. for the murders that happened there. So it wouldn't quite be double jeopardy, but it would be... Um, it would take fucking forever. Violating his right to a speedy trial. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of like how they did Dahmer with um, sending him back to Ohio for that one murder. Mm-hmm. His first murder. So, I mean, they do that kind of all the time. Yeah, they just... You know. That's why Israel Keys killed himself in prison. He's like, fuck it, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad when you, you work faster than the legal system. Ooh, mm. That part. He just saved us a shit ton of money and yeah. taxpayer money. Mm. And all he had to do was leave us one shitty fucking new metal song. All he had to do was just t- tell us. Instead of giving us that weird note. Mm -hmm. I was so dumb. Didn't even make sense. I'm still bitter. (laughs) Finally, on July 22nd, 1988. So this is what? Two, three. This is three, almost three complete years later. The jury selection process moved forward and the trial began the following January. So we're in 1989 now. Richard attracted groupies during this time, many of whom were Satan worshippers. Richard often dressed in black and other dark colors for his court appearances. I mean, this is at the height of the Satanic Panic also, is when this is going Yeah, on. I didn't even think about so that. So you gotta remember, like, fucking Mike Warnke's out there spreading his bullshit. Like, there's a bunch of baby-eating cults and stuff. Um conservative America was deathly afraid of this shit. Like, they're like, these kids are getting corrupted by the devil, and you have Richard Ramirez up there with a pentagram on his hand saying, Hail Satan! Perfect. Marketing. 
One more snag in the trial process occurred when one of the jurors, Phyllis Singletary, was found murdered in her apartment on August 14, 1989. There was a rumor that Richard ordered her death, but those were found to be pretty baseless other than the fact that she was a juror on his trial and he was a serial killer. Phyllis it's is not like he had a, a cult following. <laughs> no, like, he didn't have that. Uh, I doubt any of that's connected. It's not. Phyllis's boyfriend, James Melton, was actually the one that shot her. Two days later, James shot himself outside his second floor apartment after police received an anonymous tip about where to find him. Ah. So that was that. Richard was known for his flirty and grand performances in the courtroom in front of the cameras. He once planned to bring a gun to the courtroom and shoot the prosecutor. The guards overheard Richard's plan, so metal detectors were installed at the entrance of the court and searches were performed on everyone prior to entering. One of his most famous trial moments was the day that he drew the pentagram on his palm. On September 20th, 1989, the jury came back with a unanimous guilty verdict on all charges. 13 counts of murder, 5 counts of attempted murder, 11 sexual assault charges, and 14 burglary charges, making the grand total number of charges 43. That's a fuck ton of charges. And that's with them, like, that's with them dropping some. I would like to hear what the original amount was. What they came up with. I would say well within the hundreds. Oh, yeah. Even with like piddly shit. Like stolen. Multiple counts. Yeah, he even had. He's sprinkled in abductions in his repertoire, his portfolio of crimes. Grand larceny. Probably has a parking ticket in there somewhere. No, I'm just. Probably. He might. He stole a lot of cars. You illegally parked this stolen car. Yeah. I mean, you can still get a parking ticket. He's just, the um, Los Angeles Parking Authority is like, man, we never get, man, we never get featured in anything. How would you like to uh, have your car stolen by Richard Ramirez while he's running all these crazy fucking tra- like routes with your car? I would preserve it and then sell it. Oh, no. They're going to take your car because he's hit all the toll roads. So but I didn't do it. It's, it's on your license. Like if he did it now, like North Carolina has it tracked off of your license plate. So you're responsible for the toll no matter what. That's, fu- no, that's fucked up. No. It'd be like, yeah. my car was literally stolen. That's not mine. No, nope. they're like, well, it's your car. Likely story, lady. Uh, Don't they have us. cameras at the tolls? It, it only takes a picture of your back, which, or back uh, tag. Yeah. It's only aimed down at your like license plate, which is why a lot of people get those like dark license plate, which doesn't do shit. You can still kind of see it. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. Got to make money. Got to pay the roads. They don't even fucking pave them. What's North the ex- Carolina does. What's the excuse? Just we don't. Yeah, we don't. We don't have tolls either. South Carolina doesn't pay shit. The only toll I've ever been on was the one on off and on Hilton Head. I didn't even know there was one there. There is. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's a bunch of them in North Carolina. Yeah, they, they just have these big, like, rigs that just take pictures of mm-hmm. license plates. Yeah, some bullshit. The one on, on and off Hilton Head, it was small. I mean, it was 12 years ago now 
when I was on going on and off Hilton Head, but it was pretty small. So, two weeks later, the same jury recommended the death penalty. When Richard was leaving the courtroom, he was quoted in saying, quote, Hey, big deal. Death always comes with the territory. I'll see you in Disneyland. End quote. He was formally sentenced to death by gas chamber on November 7th, 1989, and was spent, sent to spend the remainder of his days at the San Quentin Prison in California, which is a popular spot for a lot of our notorious serial killers. Yeah, they killers. had a real rogues gallery at that They had one. a little boys club there, I, I guess. It's like Arkham in, Go uh, like, in the Batman comics. It really is. He's the Joker. Just going to go ahead and say that. Uh, you know what? I agree with you. He is the Joker. I'm not mad at that. He is definitely the Joker. Mm -hmm. Just chaotic. No mm -hmm. plan at all. Yeah. Uh, very much so the Joker. Yeah, I agree with that. As far as like, if you were to compare serial killers to Batman's rogues gallery, he's definitely the Joker. The judge stated that his crimes showed, quote, cruelty, callousness, and viciousness beyond any human understanding, end quote. Richard never, ex never once expressed remorse for his crimes. He, he had no desire to express remorse. He had no emotion, period. Yeah, he was just like, oh, I did it for you, Satan. Oh, my goodness. During his time in prison, Richard devised two different plans to escape prison and continue his killing spree. In 1993, when he was being brought back to the prison, an officer took one of those, like, wand things and scanned Richard's body, and it went off near his butt. X-rays revealed that he had a handcuff key stuffed up his butt, along with a ballpoint pen, a syringe, and a sticker that read, I love chocolate. Did his prison boyfriend give him that? Probably. <laughs> Five years after that, he received a letter from one of his groupies that hinted at helping him break out of prison. I'm going to bake you a cake with a file in it, like they do on the Looney Tunes. On October 3rd, 1996, official Mean Girls Day, Richard wound up marrying one of his supporters while incarcerated. Her name was Doreen Leoy, and she wrote him 75 letters over the course of 11 years. I wonder if he got, got conjugal visits. Probably. I don't know. I don't know if they give conjugal visits to death row inmates, though. That would that's, be the only time they that's, should. That's pretty much what I was thinking. I think that'd be the only time that you should. I mean, they're going to die. They're not getting out. Might as well get off. Yeah, but they're violent prisoners. I don't Just know. Just strap them down and ride your way. On it. We're gonna have Excuse to me, officer. Can I borrow four handcuffs? Just I'm doing some kinky <laughs> shit. <laughs> don't ask me why. <laughs> Every leg's getting a cuff. Oh, God. So, Doreen, we're going to chat about her for a moment because she is a little cuckoo. For oh, no, no fucking shit, Sam. Well, I, just let me get there, okay? The woman that wrote 70 some letters to Richard Ramirez and married him. And, well, I saw a picture. She's not much of a looker. She's a ginger. But it's not she like Richard had name. many options. 
I'm sure he had options. He had a whole groupie following. You're telling me there was not one that was more attractive? I mean, she's a ginger. I'm supposed to love her, but she gives us a bad look. Maybe it was the toilet wine that did it for him. He just got a little too fucked up on the toilet wine. Maybe we'll call. We'll we'll leave it at that. He's making honey bun liquor in his window seat. So Doreen fully believed that he was innocent and simply just refused his guilty verdict. She said, quote, I can't help the way the world looks at him. They don't know him the way I do. Mm. And all the meanwhile, he's just like, whatever. I just got to get my nut off. I guess. She was his most enthusiastic defender and even praised him in interviews. She said in an interview with CNN, quote, he's kind, he's funny, he's charming. I think he's a really great person. He's my best friend. He's my buddy. He is, is docile is that fucking tiger that tore off Siegfried and Roy's fucking head. Yes. Uh, he is adorable until he's not. So he's and Salem. he's chewing on your fucking skull. So he's like Salem with your flip flops. Yes. He's about as docile as that gator that ate that man in Myrtle Beach golfing. Oh God! That is true. Of course, I don't know. It's not like they were keeping it as a pet. I would say I would assume this is more like her keeping Richard Ramirez as like a prison pet. Mm. It, so he, like Ed Kemper in what was that guy's name? Uh, had um, Herbert um, Mullen. Her- yeah, I was thinking Harry, but I knew it wasn't Harry. I was thinking Herbie. Herbert. Yeah. Herbie! Old Herbie. He's <laughs> trained him like a house cat. So she's like, I'm going to I'm gonna get Richard Ramirez as my, my husband and all this shit. And, and we can't go anywhere. Yeah. It's like, what do you do? Look at him through the glass? Like They had to have had conjugal visits. They have, they re- don't they require that, like... Married couples can have Quick, conjugal visits. Draw pentagrams on your nipples and put them up against the glass. Ew. So, before Doreen started writing Richard, she lived a fairly normal life. She was born in Burbank, California in 1955. She was a successful magazine editor. She even worked on the Tiger Beat magazines for all my elder millennials out there. Tiger Beat. And I read that, I was like, no way! And then I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> no way. So she's a crazy cat lady. Tiger Beat was like a J-14 magazine. No, I it, it wasn't was like, a cat magazine. I thought it was like that one. That, oh, wait, I'm thinking no, of the zoo. Like, what was the zoo magazine that they used to set? They used to do like infomercials. Yes. On. I thought that's what I you think were it was. About. I'm pretty sure it was just Zoo Magazine or some shit like that. But yes. I know it's, I, I can literally like, see mm-hmm. the I logo. I can't remember the name. I thought it but was like thought, National Geographic. No, no. These were like aimed at kids. Yeah. Tiger Beat was like a J14. But I was thinking it was that Zoo Magazine. With the different animals on the front? Yeah. I know and exactly what you're talking cool about. all the cool colors and stuff. Yes. Yeah. That's what I thought you were talking no. about. No. No. Tiger Beat was like a J14. But for the generation before me. Uh, I was going somewhere with that, and then it just. I didn't she know was the not the was original Carol Baskins. Sorry. Mm. Well, we know what happens to Richard. So. 
She also got to meet up-and-coming celebs and prepare them to be on the cover. She even met Uncle Jesse himself, John Stamos, who even made a comment on her recent nuptials. He said, quote, to be that lonely that this is the only man on the planet that she can find. I just thought, how horrible. This man is the personification of evil, just a monster, end quote. You know it's bad when, uh, oh, man. Uncle Jesse throws there's shades. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I said that. Yes. Literally. (laughs) Doreen was his most frequent visitor at four times a week. Oh, she took one day off. Two. Three. Three, yeah. Three days off. But I didn't know if they did visits on the weekends. Well, he's a Satanist, so he doesn't give a shit about Sundays. I don't know if the church, if the jail lets people do. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Dude, my brain is in Monday through Friday mode. You know this. <laughs> I only think in. I'm like a. I'm like a Sith. I think in absolutes. Yeah, she turns into a pumpkin on Friday nights, guys. It's pretty bad. Yeah, she, I don't have a weekend. Me either. Shouldn't have brought that up. Yeah. I, well, Sundays and Mondays only because we're dark though. So Saturdays and my Friday. So. Doreen was often the first person in line for visitation. She seldomly gave any answers as to why she was with Richard. The most that she'd say in like passing was hometown girl makes bad. End quote. What the fuck? I have no idea. What does that mean? I have no idea. It's about as stupid as Jack the Knife. Well, they're made for each other then. They're both stupid. She also complained that, quote, people call me crazy or stupid or lying, and I'm none of those things. Uh-huh. I just believe him. I just believe in him completely. In my opinion, wait for it. There was more evidence to convict O.J. Simpson, and we all know how that turned out. Oh, First God. of all, fuck you. Are you kidding me? Sam, we do not have enough time for you to go on your O.J. rant. No. I, I'm sorry. I won't. I won't, but I found that fucking mind-blowing. I was like, are you kidding me? We are cutting your O.J. rant for okay, time. I'm sorry. We'll get into that at a different time. If my Jeffrey Dahmer tea party idea gets cut, I'm sorry, OJ gets cut too. <laughs> no, that's a direct quote. Uh, Jeff, don't do it. No. Don't cut the tea don't don't cut the tea party. So, Doreen bought a gold band for herself and a platinum one for Richard. Why? Because Richard told her that Satanists don't wear gold. Oh, that totally makes sense. <laughs> Why would, why? Why is he being so fucking picky? He has a wife. Someone married him. I, I, I just fucking can't. I just <laughs> I fucking can't. I told you, she's a real treat. Well, Satanists can't wear silver. Like, because it's cursed metal. Because that would make sense. I never said he was smart. He's just like, I don't like gold. He's like, I don't like gold, so uh, Satanists can't wear gold. Yeah. If he's like, I can't wear silver because it's uh, a curse. Of course, you'd think he would want to wear silver because 
that's what uh, Judas got when he betrayed Jesus. So that would make sense. So, but I know vampires and werewolves can't use silver. So, but that's different. That's not Satanism. Hey, it, it all lops in. And I don't know. I'm, I don't know. No. I don't know. If you're a Satanist, tell us if you can wear gold. Yeah. <laughs> tell us the rules of Satanism. Confirm or deny. I don't know. <laughs> Some of Doreen's relatives actually disowned her when no, she got married you to Richard. Think? Yeah. So, so get this. So, this is the last part of Doreen because I after that I was just like, uh, I, I'm done. I'm done with this now. Yeah. So, referencing back to her like relatives disowning her and like mm. her friends dropping her. John she, Stamos talking mad shit about her. If jo- Uncle Jesse talked mad shit about you, you know you fucked up. I'm just saying. So. She said, quote, it'd be hard for me to understand if my best friend came to me and said, you know, this guy, Timothy McVeigh, who just got convicted. I really think he's cute and I'm going to write him. I mean, I th- I would think that's kind of strange. I'm sorry. You guys both did this up off the floor at the same time. I really wish <laughs> that I would have gotten that like on video because that was hilarious. But yeah, confused. Uh, so your husband can murder a shit ton of people over the course of a year. Mm -hmm. Timothy Bay was the Oakland bomber, Oklahoma City bomber, correct? But if he blows people up, which we will cover him, that's her line. I that's her line. She won't cross a bomber over a serial killer. What? Yeah, we'd have to do a five-part series, like whole series on Timothy McVeigh to do it, because there's so five many. parts. Yeah, because you have oh to talk God. about Ruby Ridge, then you have to talk about Waco, and then you can actually get into Oklahoma City bombing, because you have to run all all three. They all link together, so we could cover a a government atrocity, a cult, and a bomber all in one one sweep. Three birds, one podcast. Well, about a month and a half episodes, but yeah. <laughs> no, well, it's no. still the same podcast. Yeah. It was referencing three birds, one, like two birds, one stone. I gotcha. It's, trying it's to be late. Funny. It's late. It's trying to be funny. It's fine. I'm sorry. It's rumored that after the news of Richard being connected to the murder of the nine-year-old girl back in 1984 was too much for Doreen, and she stopped visiting him, although there was never any record of divorce. Well, she had to get that platinum band back. Yeah. I don't think she was ever getting it back. Yeah. How do you get divorced in jail? You just don't go see him anymore? Like, what do you get? Do you get anything? Can't get alimony. They don't own anything. He, he has some other bitch holding his pocket. Oh, okay. Hold my pocket. <laughs> Christian, you gonna hold my pocket later? Oh, my God. I'm Are we punch- walking out the studio? Hold I'm my ge- pocket. I'm gonna punch you in your pocket if you don't shut the fuck up and let us finish this episode. We'll punch you in your <laughs> pocket later. I'm becoming a very grumpy little asshole. She's turning into a gremlin. I am. Mm-hmm. It's almost midnight. Yep. His attorneys tried to appeal the case, and it was rejected. 
as it should be, by the California State Supreme Court in 2006. After almost 24 years on death row, Richard died on June 7, 2013, at the age of 53 from complications related to B-cell lymphoma. He died shortly after he was taken to Marin General Hospital in Green Bay, California. Yep, and just like that, cancer's what took him out. Because he was a cancer. Yeah, he was... Was he actually a cancer when was he uh, again? Uh, I think it was a leap year. Oh, yeah, it was a leap year. Yeah. He was a leap baby. I don't know what that is. Is that a Capricorn? No, Pisces. Pisces. Something like that. What, aren't they rather docile? It depends. We should do an episode on, like... I am so down. Astrology with serial killers. I am so down. We should do that. You know who, you know who is Ted Bundy is in the same... Isn't he a Gemini? Huh? No, he's an Aquarius. Uh, is he? I thought yeah. he was a Gemini. No, is it his birthday in January? Right? Now you got me got a question myself on. I know a lot of uh, serial killers are Geminis. Yeah. The whole duality, being able to compartmentalize mm-hmm. shit. No, you're Makes right. Makes so much sense. Who was it that I was the same birthday as me? It was not Ted Bundy. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. I thought I got really excited. I can't remember who had that birthday. It's a, it doesn't matter. I'll tell you guys afterwards. But he's a It'll Gemini. It'll probably be a good while before we cover Bundy. <laughs> we'll have to have, have to have a special guest who looks just like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have our very own Ted Bundy. Yes, yeah. we do. He's fantastic. It wouldn't surprise me if he actually turned out to be like a Ted Bundy. Mm. Nah, he doesn't have it in him. It's all talk. It's all a bunch of mouth moving. He goes, yeah. Shit. <laughs> he's, a, he's a fucking. We showed bear. him the toy box killer, and he was disgusted, but intrigued. But he was mostly disgusted. I mean, he. What does it say that I'm more intrigued? Hmm. What does it say about me that I'm more intrigued than disgusted? I mean, he is fucking deranged and. We will in the cover head. him next year. Next so, year? Next year. We gotta wait next year. Yeah, we gotta wait till next year. I love David Parker, right? Yep, we're gonna cover the Toy Box Killer next year. <gasps> Guys, this is it. This oh, is yeah, the this end is of, the end of Summer of Slaughter. We've ended Summer of Slaughter. Um, and we're ramping up with Spooky Season. <gasps> and spooky Season! Let me fucking tell sentence. you, I have curated this list specifically for the fans of Spooky Season. I did a poll at the beginning of summer asking what people would rather see, whether it be like a themed season or just all over the place. And you guys voted (laughs) a variety of different options. And we will be covering some of those options. We're doing a little bit of everything. Yep. We got some cryptids. We got some haunted houses. We got vampires involved. We got some southern lore. Yeah. Some folklore. Does she count as a cryptid? No. I don't think. No, yeah. yeah, she it's would folklore. be folklore. But there are some cryptids. Which, I love her. Yeah. Well, there's two cryptids. Uh, yeah, I'd say two cryptids. Two definite cryptids. Maybe a third possible cryptid. Not there's sure always room for cryptids. I, I, I love doing cryptids. So. I lo- yeah, I love cryptids. So... Gotta have those. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're, we're gonna do some super fucking haunted shit. 
We're doing. Um, I can't don't, spoil the list. Don't spoil it. I can't spoil the list. So without further ado, Christian, drop them socials for us. What a ride has been for the last like three months? Mm-hmm. Eh, three and yeah, a half three, months. Three months. Yeah. We started in May, didn't we? We are putting another summer slaughter to bed, tucking it in. Kissing it on the forehead. Yep, telling it a nice little ghost story. Next Saint- summer slaughter, though, is going to be fucking wild. I'm excited. So, I'm not going to spill the beans on what I got planned for that list, but let's just say it's going to be uh, vintage. Ooh, I'm excited. Well, if you guys want to continue on with us into spooky season, we greatly appreciate it. We're going to move on to the next room. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on Instagram, Facebook. Twitter. Make sure you guys are following Sam on the TikTok. She's been posting on there. Thank you, Sam, for posting. We know Thank you're you. busy. You're a busy girl. You. We're all busy. Uh, we, I love you guys. We all love you, and we appreciate you downloading it, sharing the show, the reviews. That's about it. Yeah. And just stay creepy. And we'll see you Always. September 2nd for fucking spooky season. And I, I, I'm just gonna spoil it. No, I'm just gonna. Uh, no. All right, I've been told not to spoil what the episode's gonna be. Don't. You're always about spoiling shit because you can't wait. I can't. Don't. I, no. I have a problem. Go all ahead. right, guys, stay creepy. Bye.